Hello, I'm Marcus Pibworth and welcome to the Ministry of Change. And today on the Ministry of Change podcast, uh, it's going to be a little bit different. I'm not going to be sharing a conversation, but instead I'm going to be sharing a short autobiographical story that I prepared a few months ago. Uh, That's what I do. I'm a storyteller and I tell stories from my own life and other stories. I like to tell wonder tales, fairy tales, folk tales as well. But one of the things I do is take or or create autobiographical stories and look for sort of the gift in in a particular experience. I think it's really important to share stories. As humans, that's what we do. We share stories. And I think when it comes to mental health, well-being, I think it's really important to share stories because when we keep an experience inside of ourselves, keep it as our own story buried away inside, it starts to encompass us and take over. But something beautiful and magical happens when we share our stories. They re-enter the sea of human experience and they become powerful healing tools, not just for ourselves as a sharer, but also for listeners. People listening to it can hear their own experiences in other people's stories and it's a really strong tool in helping people to feel less alone and also showing that there's no one way that we should be living our lives and I think that is also a really powerful message. So today I'm going to share one of my autobiographical stories and it is a story which is about depression but it is also about a cat called Doris and I hope you enjoy it. The rain mixed with my tears as it fell down my face. As I sat there on that park bench in Edinburgh nothing seemed to make sense. About an hour earlier, I'd rushed home to have a conversation on Skype with my girlfriend of nearly six years. I was going to visit her in Spain the next week, so naturally I was very excited. But as soon as I got on that call, I knew that it was not going to be the call that I had anticipated. I cried, I begged, I pleaded, I reasoned. (laughs) At one point I even proposed. But... Nothing I did was going to change what was happening. I had been dumped. I'd already lost faith in the master's course I was studying and any notions of a career that may have gone with that. This relationship had been the only thing helping me maintain the resemblance of being a fully functioning human being and now that too was gone. I didn't know what to do. I sat there all night on that park bench, methodically working my way through a packet of rolling tobacco, until, after what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of light started shining through the grey clouds on what was going to be another bleak, wet Edinburgh morning. Somehow I made it through the rest of my course and finished my degree, fuelled mostly by alcohol and sleeping pills, But when I was done, I knew I had to get out of the city. And so, with a heavy heart, 
I made the decision to move back into the spare room of my parents' house. It was only going to be for a week or two while I found my feet. There I was, 25, single, unemployed and living at my parents' house. This was not how life was supposed to be. I was sitting on the edge of a precipice, staring out into the abyss. Right now, the precipice was a sofa in the garden room of my parents' house, a room at the back of the house that looked out over the garden that was rarely used, apart from in the summer, in those few weeks when the English weather was being a little bit less English. And the abyss, well, the abyss that was my future. I cried a lot those days. I didn't know what to do. I was lost. Some days I'd surf the internet and apply for jobs that I didn't want, mainly to show my parents, or more likely myself, that I was being proactive. But I didn't feel proactive. I felt empty. I felt hollow. I felt ashamed. But one day, my mum came home, and in her hands she held this tiny little kitten. It was sick and frail. She had seen it crawling through the wet grass at the edge of the road on her way home, so she had stopped the car and picked it up. We took it to the vet, who said to take it home, but warned us that it was unlikely it would survive the night. So we took it home and placed it in blankets in the garden room. That night was a long night. But in the morning, we walked through the corridor with trepidation to the garden room. We opened the door. And the kitten was still alive. Frail and sickly, yes, but still alive. We named her Doris, in keeping with the family tradition of cats with human names. Martin had recently passed away, so Doris was a welcome addition to the family. From that day on, I passed the hours feeding and playing with Doris as she went from being sick to making her first few frail, wobbly steps across the tiles of the garden room, exploring with curiosity this new world. I still felt empty. I argued with my parents a lot at that time. I tried as hard as possible not to go out the house to meet people because I knew as soon as I left the garden room I'd be met by horrible questions such as How are you? What are you up to at the moment? Where are you living right now? All questions that I felt too ashamed to answer. All questions that confirmed that I was a failure. But back with Doris, things were different. She didn't ask me questions. She didn't have lots of useful bits of advice to bestow upon me. She wanted me to drag little bits of string across the floor for her to chase. She wanted me to let her climb up my legs and crawl across my shoulders. She would do this amazingly cute thing where she'd hide underneath the sofa 
just for long enough till you'd almost forgotten she was there, and then she'd flick out her paw and tug at the bottom of your trousers. She made my heart melt. She made me smile at a time where I'd forgotten how to smile. With Doris, life became a little bit more bearable. I would cry less. Some days I didn't even cry at all. In what seemed like the blink of an eye, Doris grew into this big, strong cat. A great big black ball of fluff, prowling like a mountain lion. But she was one of those cats that you knew that if you dipped her into a bowl of water, she would wither away to almost nothing. She developed a friendly and laid-back personality, that sort of nonchalant, I-don't-give-a-shit character that only cats can get away with. Doris is still alive, and now she lives with my sister and her family. And whenever I go and visit them, and I see my little niece bounding across the garden with poor Doris passively swinging under her, her arm, I catch Doris's eye... And we share a moment. Those few weeks at my parents' house ended up being nearly nine months. In that time, both Doris and I went through a dramatic transformation. Together, we found our feet again. And with it, found a new strength to go out into the world. It would be many, many years before words like depression and anxiety entered my vocabulary. There would be many more times of torment, therapy sessions, moments of uncertainty. But in the time Doris and I had spent together in the garden room, something deep down had been ignited. And when we both left that room together for the final time, I, through the door, and Doris through the cat flap, I realised something. They say that cats have nine lives. But in those months that Doris and I spent together in the garden room of my parents' house, she had taught me something. She had taught me that humans have nine lives too. Thank you so much for listening. I really love sharing these stories and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. And uh, please do, if you did find something in it, then do share it with people that you know that might find it interesting. And uh, do contact me about uh, sort of how to sort of do this yourself and run workshops and things to create these sort of stories. And... Um, I think it's just so important, like I said at the beginning. I think it changes everything when you can learn to see into an experience which on the surface may not seem to have any positives, but to really look and see what the gift is in there. There's always a gift. Sometimes you have to look harder and harder and harder. Sometimes the gift may not be apparent till a long time in the future, but there is, I believe, always a gift in there. So, uh, do visit my website, which is theministryofchange.org, for more stories, uh, details, how to contact me, videos, that sort of thing. 
Thank you to everyone that supported me on Patreon. It really helps me to continue to do this. Just the moral support alone of knowing you're out there is really important to me. So if you can offer any financial support for me, uh, this is how I fund making these stories. Please visit my uh, Patreon site, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash ministry of change. And uh, as I've said on the other recordings I've done recently, I've just started using the platform Anchor and I noticed on there you can actually directly from that app record voice messages to me and I think it'd be really interesting if people felt like sharing stories from their own life or some feedback about some positive things that you got out of these shows then that would be amazing and I'd love to be able to include some of them in the future so that's something to think about uh yeah but please do share this with your friends feel free to get in contact with me and thank you so much for listening and i'll be back soon goodbye